seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 88 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues around the game industry that other people maybe don't necessarily want to address. And to get there, I am your host, Daquan Watson. And as always, my man right here with me all the way through 88 episodes, Brian Allen. What's up today, dude? Uh, here in Texas, trying to see if the power grid will hold through summer. <laughs> man, I saw some stuff about that, and I was just like, are you kidding? Like, literally telling people in Texas to turn the AC off during the hot-ass summer y'all get down there. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel for y'all, man. I really do. But I, I gotta admit, too, I don't miss being down there with all the bad politics. It's rough. But... You know what? We're going to try to get through and have a fun episode here, despite that. With our episode 80, I guess this is our, our Michael Irvin episode. Is that the 80? Uh, I wish I could think of somebody that the Cowboy, but yeah. I <laughs> there's probably, there's got to be some other 88. I think, was Sterling Sharp 88, maybe? Even if he was, I, I freely admit that's not better than Michael Irvin. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. It's not any better. I don't know. See, now I feel the need. Okay, I got to interrupt the show. Now not I even I the best receiver like, in his own family. <laughs> I got to find out. Let's look up players because I, I feel like I should know this. Players that wore '88 because, like, I feel like I should know this. Like, why do I not just know off the top of my head? Because even in like even a good NBA player, no, all the ones in NBA are not good either. Like, I don't even know why there's not more. But okay, we're gonna we're gonna go with that. We're just we're just gonna go with uh. I don't, yeah, there's no other good ones. We're, we're, we're going to go with Michael Irvin. That's going to be our, our player of the week. There you go. But I'm going to tell everybody, if you would like to support the show, otherwise, or, you know, make it easier for us to remember what players were, what numbers we can have money to spend on, whatever. What are those things they tried to sell you before, the, the brain memory pills or whatever? Maybe oh, give us some yeah. money, and we'll go buy some of those. Uh, if you support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash color of magic. We love all y'all that are supporting us. It really does help and means a lot. Thank you so much for that. I also want to give a shout out to the sponsor of the show, Cardsphere.com. Great place, honestly. And not even just saying this. I actually really do use Cardsphere. Uh, Great place to organize your cards, sell stuff at the price you want, buy stuff at the price you want. And for me, the biggest thing is it's not even being able to pick your buyer as a seller. You can also do it on your own time. So like right now, we're spending a bunch of time like organizing my stuff. And I haven't sent any cards out in over a month. And then I'll have a period here in about two weeks where we're probably going to send out like 15 or 20 packages to people. And then I'll probably take another week to organize some other stuff that I've opened some boxes recently. And then I'll send out another 15 or 20 packages. So it's pretty cool to be able to do that whenever I want, not be under the time crunch of like waiting for an auction to finish and then got to get it out the door within 48 hours before I start getting angry grams from the buyer and, you know, all that stuff. So it's really nice to be able to do it at the pace you want. So check them out if you haven't. They are Cardsphere. Dot com. Another way you can support the show, too, and we've had a few people, so I want to say thank you already to the people who have done so, but you can go to colorofmtg.com slash shop, and we have a couple of playmats up, we've got some tokens, and we're actually working on a, another round of tokens. I'm going to see if we can come up with some cool stuff for the D&D set and for the Innistrad set later this fall, so I'm going to try to get back with our artists 
Galen Eilenfeld and see if he can make some stuff for us. So check those out. You know, we can even sign them on the way out the door. And it's a cool thing to have on the table. You know, you can really rep the show and have some useful tokens for yourself. And they're pretty cheap. We do have some deals so you can get free shipping. We also ship all over the world and we do have some discounts for that as well. So with that order of business out of the way, we have some things we get to talk about this week. And oh man, we have a few good ones. So this one is almost becoming a pet peeve sort of thing for me. <laughs> more more than an actual like issue we need to gripe about. But this is like, I feel like I see it on Twitter. I see it on Facebook. I've seen it in some discords. That people keep trying to say that it's casual players, commander, whatever, that killed the pro player pay. And that's just not it, man. That is not it, fam. Let's be real. Like, Wizards has been printing. Hell, let's see, even just talk about just Commander, right? We've had Commander decks since, what, 2011, I think, or 2012? Something like that. It's been a while. Over a decade. If that's the case, they already knew there was a huge casual following and Commander following. Right? I can tell you from having been there. Everybody knows that casual play will always make up a larger percentage of the player base, the sales, whatever. And that's for every game. That's not even just Magic. Any game you look at out there, there is exponentially more casual play than there is top-level play. That's just the way it is. Now, there's other things that led to the downfall, we'll call it, the decline, whatever, the, the dismantling of the pro-player play. And a lot of that, yes, it's Wizards' presentation was not good. The way it was set up was not great. But also, let's be real, that a lot of the players also did that to themselves. Like, and don't get me wrong, I'm not hating on pro players here. I'm just talking facts as we saw them. Because I tell people all the time, like, I have met several pro players. I'm still friends with some of them. Like, I socialize with some of them online. I've worked with some of them for commentary and stuff like Inherently, they are solid, good people. So I don't want to see anybody lose their income, obviously. But if we're going to have this discussion, we got to talk about it for what it is. And the reason you see, like I tell people, look at other esports and understand we what I brought up before that like they're all managed by small companies or they have these, these companies that work for other big sports teams that are managing them and they go get the sponsors. If you look around, a lot of these people don't even do a lot of their own social media. They have companies or social media managers put out their stuff for them, or they set up their arrangements for things for them to be on interviews and different stuff, right? Because a lot of players are just not good at marketing themselves. A lot of them just aren't good at dealing with social media. A lot of the Magic players don't have that. So what happened? A lot of them ended up not doing anything to market themselves. And we and we all know this. Like we, There was probably maybe 10 or 12 pros that regularly were active on social media that regularly enticed you to go watch their things, you know, that you would actually tune in for. But most of them didn't make a name for themselves. They didn't go pick up sponsors. They weren't active on social media. They weren't personalities. So they weren't bringing in really increasing the bottom line. I mean, it sucks, but that's it kind of at the end of the day. 
I mean, it, I, there's nothing else really we can we can say about it, right? They weren't the players weren't helping themselves. Now, I will say this: if players were out there hustling and they were doing everything and they were actively promoting all this, and you know, and then it still fell through, then we could say, okay, it absolutely was not the part of the players. But we just didn't see that. And I follow several on social media. I'm in social circles that some of them are in. So I see, you know, when stuff does come up, I see people talking about it or share stuff. But for the number of players that were in the MPL and in the Rivals League, you didn't see that much of it. And then we go back to some of them saying, well, I don't want to stream. I don't, don't want to do this. Uh, playing the weekend event sucks. I don't want to do that either. And blah, blah. Like, ah, oh, there's too much stress. There's too much pressure and whatever. Like, so if all Wizards is getting is all this negative stuff, constantly or it looks like all they're doing is creating more unhappy players that's why they're not going to keep doing it i mean they could do other things that require less people and less management and they don't have to have dedicated personnel to do all this stuff or whatever and still make the same money or more that's why but don't go out there like blaming it on little timmy or tammy at their table playing with their cousins or some parents playing with their kids or whatever, because a pro player isn't getting his 70 K this year. Like that's such an awful take. Like what? Like I, I get it, right? It does suck. If you're into pro play, I mean, hell, and I did that. I qualified for the pro tour. I played in nationals. I did all that stuff, but I also understand where things sit business wise. But I'm not going to be out there talking. And I enjoyed watching top-level play. Hell, I did commentary for one of the events, right? Like, I like that stuff. But I'm also aware enough to not be like, well, you know, if so many people didn't buy Commander decks every year, we'd be able to have pro players get paid more. Hell, that didn't even make sense anyway, because if we're just making less money because people weren't buying Commander decks, then they have even less money to play pay pro players. So, like, that doesn't even make sense. So we just got to stop that. Like, there are a ton of reasons. And yes, I will also agree. Pretty much starts and stops with Wizards. You know, they didn't give it its best effort. Or at least give it its best chance. They probably gave it their best effort, which wasn't great. But that's all they knew how to do. And it didn't work out. But let's not put the blame on innocent people that are just out here getting caught in the crossfire. Because they didn't have a damn thing to do with anything. So there you go. My pet peeve is done. <laughs> Though I hear you've got some other, we'll call it frustrating and sad news, Brian. Yeah. Well, Jeffrey Tubin has returned to CNN this week. If you remember, we talked about him, I guess, well, it must have been around eight months ago. And he got caught on a Zoom call uh, playing with his tubing, for lack of a better term. Playing with his trombone? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it just, he did, in fairness, he did lose his job at the New Yorker, which that's who he was apparently online with when he just thought the camera was turned off and whipped it out. But somehow he is back at CNN, and people are just kind of wondering, okay. What does it take for a famous, powerful white guy to lose his job? <laughs> let me let me say this. Like, I don't, I mean, okay, little TMI, but you know, you all have urges or whatever. Like, I've had those moods where it's like on your mind or whatever. Even when I've gone to like a meeting or even had a Zoom call, but I've never been 
<laughs> so worked up that I'm like, the minute I think the meeting's over, I'm like, now I'm going to get it. Like, you know, like, what? <laughs> what? I mean, seriously, like, how how badly? You know what I'm saying, though? Like, like, yeah, how, like, just... that you couldn't even, like, a, like, you couldn't wait at all. Like, you you're looking the at not the over. Screen. I think they were taking a break. You know, everyone's like, hey, go take five. We'll come back and discuss. Oh, you're oh. right. That's true. See, that's what makes it even worse. Because I do remember when we had had this chat about this. Because, yeah, if the meeting is over, yeah, okay. Yeah, because at least you know, then there's some chance. Yeah, they I'm took with a, they, they took a break, you know, during this long, boring meeting time about election coverage. So apparently, you know, the Electoral College just gets that man so worked up. He's got to whip it out right then and there. You know what, though? This sounds like a lot of other dudes that kind of lead to that other problem of, like, he probably just was overly attracted to somebody who was on a Zoom call or something stupid. And, you know, just like these other dudes are like, well, women shouldn't wear this thing because it distracts me while I'm at work or, what you know, those people. Sort of feels like that's what this dude is. I didn't even think about the possibility that, oh, God, there could be somebody at his job on the call that he got so worked up over. Yeah, probably. Cause I, cause I mean, dude, I mean, I can't think of any, like, even that's a little bit of a stretch, but I can't think of any other good reason that you just, I mean, and the guy's also a legal analyst. So how does he even begin to come on CNN and talk about any case involving sexual assault or sexual yeah. harassment? Cause who wants to hear anything he's got to say on either of those topics? Dude, let me be on a show where he's on there and he brings up something. Cause I'll be damned yeah. if I'm just like. Hey, but, weren't, weren't you the one fondling your trombone during a Zoom meeting? You need to shut up. And then, like, just wait to see what his comeback is. You know, Fox is going to do I mean, every time he appears, I'm sure multiple people on Fox are going to pull out. Well, uh, excuse me, they did not pull out, but they're going to be ready for their <laughs> counter-argument to whatever he says. It just is kind of shocking to me that... Cause, It'd be one thing if, okay, you know, he's one of their reporters, boots on the ground, you know, he breaks stories, you know, he, he ain't Anderson Cooper. He's, you know, a, an analyst, a commentator. You got to figure there's 20 lawyers or former lawyers that could do the job as well. He's He's got to get moved to another department or something. He can't come back for the same job. I can't imagine that's the thing. No, I think it's the same job because, again, Cause, he's not a reporter, I don't believe, in terms like he's more of a columnist than a reporter. So what else See, are you gonna crazy. do with him? That's crazy. Cause like I man, literally, you would get I would have a trump card in every discussion now. Yeah. Like there's literally nothing he's gonna be able to say. Even if seriously, if you you just lay man, too many euphemisms. Like I was right? gonna say something else that like what if, <laughs> no pun intended, but like you just lay that out and then what's he gonna say? Like you have to just sit there and take it, right? Yeah. And and I think you're right though. The the biggest problem is that this comes back to where we talk about like as a black guy, we worry about a lot of things because we each know some black folks or people of color, not even just black folks, that have been fired for all kinds of minimal things. Right. And then you see a situation like this where it is just a well-known white dude who does what he does who literally exposed himself in a professional setting and he got his job back after eight months? Yeah, that's everything. Like, I could see, okay, there's 
a time period or maybe two or three years later, you make it eight months, not even a full year off of CNN for, or for masturbating on a Zoom call. <laughs> See, that would have been my thing. Like if, I think if it's at least a minimum one year, we can have at least somewhat of a conversation. But it wasn't even a year. Not even enough time, really, for it to be forgotten about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a crazy one, man. I just, Yeah, I don't even know. Can a I couple, just, I mean, there's, you know, the news cycle is a news cycle. You wait, let's say, two years, somebody else in the same industry will have done something even dumber, probably. But eight months is, is not a very long time. And I'll tell you, the worst part is, I assumed he was going to end up working again in the industry. I just assumed it'd be for, like, I don't know, Fox or whatever that that fake news thing, literally fake news thing online, AON or whatever that thing is. Yeah. The America Online Network or whatever the hell that is. Like that thing. Like I figured he didn't. Yeah, up I mean, over the there resume, I guess, is too strong not to turn up somewhere. I thought like maybe, okay, you know, he goes to a local station somewhere for a little while. Yeah, something. Like that's just, uh, that that's the stuff that makes you discouraged. When you see people that do something that's like, hell, at least five times worse than some of the small things I've worried about. And you know that like that person doesn't face any real consequences and you would get, hell, probably just blackballed for right. doing the small thing you were worried There's about. There's another term. <laughs> well, yeah, too. But like... <laughs> But that's all I'm saying, though. Like, it's just one of those things, right? And I'm with you. I think that's a good thing to be upset about. So we'll see. Hopefully he has no more incidences, because if he does, you know, CNN's just going to get raked over the coals for it. Yeah. All right. Let's get to some other fun and interesting things, because it's that time where we got to talk about things we learned last week, because we just like bettering ourselves and learning cool things in the world. So what'd you learn, Brian? You know, as uh, I'm sure a lot of you've heard, probably seen on your various social media, E3 happened this week. Obviously, it was a digital event, more subdued than your normal E3, but I still feel like it's really a thing the video game industry needs just to kind of come together, have everybody talk about their new cool stuff, have all major media outlets at least devoting five or ten minutes of talking about, hey, what's Nintendo doing? What's Sony doing, et cetera, et cetera. Just a, a fun time. So I hope in some form it continues. They, even before COVID, they were talking about, do we need to have this big trade show? Is there a better way to do it? Every year, I, I think Sony pretty much skipped it this year. But still, it's a fun time. You know, I will say this. I think one of the things about E3 that I think people forget is that it originally was intended to be just an industry convention. Yeah. It started out with just like, hey, all the big companies are going to come together. They're going to do stuff for programmers. They're going to show some different things for like, hey, if you want to work with us, we can make a software deal or whatever, or give you the coding to our stuff. You know, there was a lot of that that went on. And then over time, like a few companies ran some giveaways to like, hey, we're going to do the or a contest. It's like, hey, you're going to get these tickets to come to this industry thing, and it's going to be really cool. Then a few more people did it, and then they kind of opened up to some special tickets for their individual presentations for, like, Nintendo and Sony. And then it just became like, well, what if we just sold tickets to everybody to be able to come see this or whatever? And then 
it became a full on convention to the point that, like you're saying, different companies start skipping out on it. So you would have E3, but then like a couple days before, or a couple days after Nintendo would do their like private presentation with all the industry folks or whatever, and just show it online. And then, you know, you'd have a thing with Sony and you have a thing with like Sega and it's like, all right, so now you're getting E3, but not even all your big reveals at the show, but then people are still supposed to be excited about it. So it was kind of losing its identity anyway, I think, even before COVID. So definitely. I don't know. What do you think about everything this year as far as like how it was presented and everything? I mean, obviously, you know, some of the same pitfalls we've seen, you know, with Zoom meetings that just, you, you don't get that good crowd reaction. Or, but all in all, I think a lot of people had Xbox slash Bethesda had an incredible show. So you're starting to see that okay, we're, we've had enough time with the new hardware to where we're going to start getting some decent games now. That's funny you say that, because I know people always want to, like, rake Bethesda over the coals. So what, what made them stand out this year? Just a, a lot of phenomenal-looking games, some actual release dates for the games, and, of course, both of them will be, if you have Xbox Game Pass, essentially free on day one. Oh, Really? Yeah, almost everything they announced is part of X- Xbox Game Pass. Oh, see, I always thought the Game Pass was just going to be like either maybe some new indie stuff, kind of like their old uh, whatever the Xbox Gold downloadable thing was, or it was just going to be like kind of games that are a couple years old but still kind of hot that people may have missed. No, they're spinning hot like fire. For I mean, they made MLB the show was a day one. Re- almost everything they announced is going to be day one on Xbox Game Pass. So they are dropping their brand because it's the same Netflix model. You like, how do they make money? You know, you, games used to be eighty dollars. Okay, not everybody's going to buy the eighty dollar game. Maybe ten percent of the people in Xbox buy the eighty dollar game, and that's uh, an extremely high estimate. But if you keep giving people, hey, Halo Infinite, day one kind of stuff, everybody with an Xbox is going to buy Game Pass. So if you get 10 bucks from everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess there's something to that because then you're also not producing, you know, maybe say with the cover art and putting together the disc and mailing stuff out and shipping things. Right. So maybe, and I guess I'm assuming then I guess this means there's just a deal on the backside between Xbox and the producers or the publishers to like maybe each download of the game, you get a certain percentage of their game pass for the month or something or whatever. It's probably how they're getting their money. But that's kind of cool. For some people, you know, like a thing like Rocket League. Rocket League became huge partially because PlayStation gave it away for free. So even people that didn't think they wanted to play it went, well, I'll try it, and then found out Rocket League was brilliant. Now maybe they buy because now you can buy the Batmobile, the Back to the Future time machine. You know, yeah, sell all the. But if you don't get to try it, you can't sell them all the the costumes and the that's new toys and stuff. It's like not quite a free to play model, but pseudo. Yeah, free ish. Yeah. That's good. And how much is the the Game Pass right now on the new Xboxes? I believe it's nine ninety nine, and there's a they, they are always doing some kind of trial where you can get it for a dollar. Oh, see, I thought you it was going to be like before. fifteen or twenty bucks. I'm sure it will eventually get up there, but I believe it's still nine ninety nine right now. Wow, ten Let bucks! Me double check that for brand new games like that is 
that's a hell of a deal, man. It really is. It's hard to complain. Yeah. Yeah, you right. get your first month for a dollar, then under that nine nine ninety nine a month. Yeah, that's hard to beat. Especially so many indie publishers have said, you know, we the people told us they tried our game because it was essentially free to them. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, like, you almost end up in a world where people as publishers are gonna have to participate in the game pass thing. Yeah. Because nobody's gonna be buying new sixty, seventy, eighty dollar games. Because if you can just have ten dollars and have access to hell, who knows, maybe ten new games every month plus the old mm-hmm. library, why do you really need to buy a new fifty, sixty dollar game? It's gonna be, you know, the the hardcore stuff like Madden, Call of Duty, where you know you got that same dedicated group of friends that play every year and but even then, <laughs> most of Madden sales have been coming from downloads lately, too. Yeah. Even prior to I don't to think Madden uh, this year wasn't free on Game Pass. They, they, Madden usually waits until after the season because they said by the Super Bowl, everybody that plans to buy Madden has already bought it. It's after the Super Bowl, it usually goes free. Oh, yeah. But I remember when I downloaded the last one I played, it was like $29 as opposed to being like $60. Yeah. So even that was a huge discount, just having it being download only. Well, yeah, man, I, I'll be interested to see what comes out of this whole E3 thing and kind of all these individual, uh, I guess, meetings and presentations as this week goes on. And they did announce next year is going to be apparently normal at the L.A. Convention Center, which L.A. is, of course, <laughs> ecstatic about. Oh, no doubt. I'm sure everywhere is happy right now to have a convention say, hey, we're going to bring business to you. Uh, all right. Well, yours was a little more fun than mine. Uh, what I learned this past week is there's stuff going on. Well, you know this right now because they've been mad about this in Texas. Oh, yeah. But the term CRT, if you hear it, is uh, not referencing old monitors. Uh, it's talking about critical race theory is what it is. And a lot of people, well, one, a lot of people are against it not knowing what it is. Uh, and this kind of brought to light for me that, sadly, a lot of the people, and I don't think this is every person, but a lot of people on the conservative side of things or the Republican side of things just need something to be mad at. You know, I think a couple of years ago, it was, what was it, that Common Core math was a thing. Now they don't even talk about it. You know, before that, we were talking, still talking about like Obama's birth certificate. Nobody gives a damn about that. You know, there's always something. Which also leads me down a whole separate argument of when your side's whole thing is just to constantly tell people not to do something and be mad about a thing, but you're not putting up your own things that are actually positive, that says a lot. But in this particular case, there's people who are railing against it who don't even know what it is. I think when people hear the term race, they just make this out to be defensive to say like, oh, you're just trying to say that white people are racist. And it's like, no, that's not it at all. But I will say on some level, I get where that comes from. Because as a black person, I try not to use the term race or racial or racist. Because I know how defensive people get and how quickly it derails a discussion. So even when it is relevant, 
I try not to, I'll use my air quotes, nobody can see here, to play the race card. Because it's taken out of context or taken as you playing the race card, even when it is actually relevant. And that's kind of all that's going on with CRT here is they're not saying white people are all racist. What they're saying is you have to not omit things and we have to talk about things openly and clearly. And that includes talking about everything if we're going to talk about an issue. We can't just like magically gloss over stuff during slavery. Right. You can't even discuss the Civil War without talking about slavery. And boy, damn, do Southern states ain't right. Yeah. They're literally trying to say like, oh, well, we're just going to say, yeah, there was some slavery stuff. But that's not really what we were fighting about. Here's just all this other stuff that happened in the war. And they're leaving out all the other stuff about, you know, the black people that did participate in the war and all this stuff. Like, they're not even mentioned in a lot of the books. You know, how we don't talk so much about Jim Crow stuff. You know, like... Obviously, those are big deals. You know, there's people we talked about before that didn't even know about the the massacre in Tulsa. Right. Until a couple years ago, because some social media stuff went around. And people were stunned, like as 40 and 50 year, year old adults. Yeah. And it's like, no, we need to talk about all of these things. Help people forget it wasn't that long ago that we were in a wartime situation and had Asians that we literally put in camps on America's soil. Right. Like, that's a thing that happened. And that's the stuff that, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about. Because, yeah, the the people who were in charge were 99.9% white. And, yeah, it doesn't make them look good. But you still got to talk about it. Yeah. Like, that literally happened. Like, and I've, and I, again, I know people didn't even realize that until a few years ago. And they're like, dude, have have you seen this? I've like, I've, like, yeah, that's a thing. I know people's grandparents who told us about it. Right. Like, these things happened. But we don't talk about it. Or they're not mentioned in textbooks or whatever. And this is the type of thing that usually only gets discussed, for the most part, at, like, college-level things. And the discussion right now have been like, hey, we need to introduce this at lower grade levels. You know, maybe not elementary or whatever, but at least at like junior high and high school levels. Yeah. You need to be having those conversations. By when, whenever you teach the Civil War, you better be talking about it. Yeah. And so when, whenever your school district handles that, you know. And you have a lot of people arguing against that right now. Mm-hmm. Like literally trying to just do everything they can not to have it. Saying like, oh, yeah, that was our ancestors. I never did anything like that. I never, you know, I never stopped black people from being able to read unless they'd like to read about slavery. (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You as a school board member are, in fact, stopping or attempting to stop us from reading things. And, And I think the biggest thing isn't even about, at least from everything I've read up on it and the people that teach it or whatever, is it's not even about let's make sure white people are held accountable. It's just, we can't really talk about things as they are or not repeat history or make proper plans that treat all people equal and this, that, and the other, if we're not talking about all those things that happened. 
Yes, because so much of war, which is, let's face it, a large swath of what history is about, is because somebody had a different skin color or a different religion, (laughs) or they were on the other side of the imaginary line that we drew on the ground. For sure. For sure. And I I think that's really hard for a lot of people to have those talks. And, And what I also think people don't realize, too, is if you don't have those conversations, there are people, like we've talked about before, we have parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents still on this planet that lives through those. Right. And you're basically telling those people that, like, oh, that thing wasn't that big a deal. Or you weren't really wrong that badly. Or it's not even important enough for us to mention. You know, but we're supposed to have grand celebrations for somebody or whatever who just happened to be registered as a soldier during a war. But maybe not even saw, like, wartime wasn't even in the range of a bullet, whatever. But we're not going to talk about the person who is a citizen who's on our soil that we locked up in a cage. That's pretty effed up. So, anyway, my point was that there's a lot of people who I didn't realize just, like, really thought that's what it was. That, like, anybody who supports it is just making claims that white people are racist. And it's like, no, that's not... That's not what this is about at all. And we've seen a lot of politicians get called out on it, too, who are like railing against it. Then they're asked about it and they don't even know. So there you go. But all right, let's get to some other conversations that are a little bit lighter than that one. This one's a fun one. This one for me is like this is almost like a call out to the community that. I kind of want to change the way we talk about some things. And today it's a term that people use. That's it's a phrase, I guess, but it's rotation proof. And what they mean by this is when you play magic every fall, we have a rotation where the previous four sets and standards rotate out. And then you kind of start a whole new standard rotation for the next year. And people like to the people that are budget conscious generally try to build decks that they'll be able to play with for the next year, year and a half without having to worry about replacing anything. And the term that goes with that is people say they're making rotation-proof decks. My problem with this, though, is that for whatever reason, I have a lot of new people that flock to my content. And it's always been that way since day one. A little bit more lately, but I think that's also because some new people have picked up Magic, not so much because of my content. But... I think when people hear rotation proof, when I'm having discussions with them, it's like they're trying to build a deck that is good today, that will still be good in three months and six months and nine months and 12 months. And that's not necessarily true. Because even if you build a deck, let's say today, you build a deck that's a top tier tournament deck or whatever, and most of the cards are still going to be standard legal come September. Well, we don't know what's going to happen in the D&D set. Forgotten Realms, right? That could have some cards that are better for your deck than the cards you're playing now. It could also have cards that invalidate the strategy of whatever it is your deck does now. As an example, though the cycling deck would be rotating, let's say there's a couple of cards that punish you for discarding cards or remove actively remove things from the graveyard. Well, then your deck is just no good now, even though technically it would still be quote-unquote rotation-proof. 
So what I want to do is get away from using the term rotation proof and use the phrase rotation ready. Meaning that all of these cards are still eligible to be played with. Any resources you spend on this are still valid and good for the next year plus. But you are aware that you may need to make some updates or changes based on what the next couple of sets bring. Because I do think right now is a good time to start thinking about what does my deck look like in four months when the rotation happens in September. But you do still have two sets to come out between them that are going to affect your decisions. You know, we're going to have one in about three weeks, you know, the D&D set. And then we're going to have another one in three months after that. I guess four months after that. No, it'd be three months because it's going to be in September. So even that just says, okay, there's going to be, let's call it 600 cards that are going to be added to standard that are going to affect things. Now, it's also possible your deck doesn't change at all. And then ding, 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 you're a lucky winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Mm -hmm. Right? But I like the term rotation ready more than I like rotation proof. Because I think it sends the right signal word-wise. Especially to all the new faces that are coming in. To kind of understand what they're really getting into. More than just saying like, oh, I build this and I'm good for a year and I don't have to do anything else. It's like, no, that's not it at all. You know, I've had that discussion in my YouTube comments. I've had the discussion in my Discord. I've talked about it on my streams. And that's the only reason I'm bringing it up. I think there's a lot of people who haven't considered that when they hear the term. And I don't know, maybe it's going to lead people to make some bad decisions or not. I have no idea. Like, how do you feel about building rotation stuff, man? Because I, I don't know if that matters to you or if you hear people talking about it or not. I mean, I, I'm i probably that person, you know, that's on the budget that says, okay, I'm not going to change this deck for a year. But inevitably, if something comes out like, ooh, <laughs> that looks shiny or a mechanic that I like, like the whole D&D party mechanic, you know, I wouldn't. I wasn't necessarily hyped about the set till I saw the party mechanic. Said, okay, that seems like a fun thing because I love decks where you have to try to get these three or four things into play. Then in theory, something cool will happen. Yeah, so see, you're a good example where like you could build a deck and then like, oh, well, this is introducing a whole lot of other cards I want to build with anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so I don't know. I Like I said, it's not a huge deal. It's like It's not like it's going to harm anybody if we keep saying rotation proof or anything. But I just think it's like we use some phrases and some terms that I think aren't necessarily true to what they are. And I think we should just change that a little bit is all. So let's try. Do me a favor. Make me feel good. Give me give me this freebie. <laughs> and let's try using rotation ready for at least the next six months and see how that changes things for people. Another topic I think needs to be addressed. And it feels like something we're going to bring up probably like every six months or so so on the show. Is finding ways to support content creators, especially in the game spaces where it can be a little harder for them to get sponsors necessarily. One, because it's a little bit of a crowded space, but also, you know, some companies or brands or whatever don't really feel they can market to gamers or whatever. They're they're a different lifestyle or whatever, and they don't really match up, even though gamers encompass nearly everybody. I I've and, and this one's one that's kind of top of my mind because I've had a couple of people recently say, Hey, you know, I love your content. I appreciate you putting out all the stuff. I just feel really crappy that I can't support you, you know, because you know, maybe I got released from my one of them got released from their job during the pandemic. You know, another person I think has like some family issues going on. 
And I feel like I'm constantly having the conversation with people. It's like, that's cool. Because any creator worth their salt doesn't want you spending money supporting them anyway if you're not able to. Right. Like, nobody wants you to harm yourself to put food on my plate if you're taking food off your plate. Like, that that doesn't make any sense at all. But there are a lot of ways to support creators without actually spending money. And Brian, you know, we've had those discussions before that some of the best ways to support creators even go, I honestly, uh, some of them are zero dollars. Right. Like on a a comment on a YouTube channel. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, like for me, one of the biggest things I tell people is if you are part of some group, whether that's your local game group, your store message board, Facebook group, whatever. If something cool comes up from one of your favorite creators, whether that's a fun Twitter poll or a YouTube video or whatever, share that with your group because they don't have access to that group or those people. Those people may not even have ever been exposed to this creator that you really like. So you helping them spread their reach and find other viewers or listeners or whatever goes a long way. You know, even on our show, if we talk about a topic that you're see other, you know, you're having a discussion with other people, be like, oh, hey, why don't you check out this episode of this podcast where these two guys are talking about the same thing or whatever. And great. Now, maybe we get one more new listener every week because you passed it on to somebody else. Right. And that's zero dollars. And that's not even forcing it on somebody. I, that's like, oh, hey, you're interested in this topic. They're talking about this. Cool. You know, that's all you get. Or maybe one of us puts up a YouTube video playing a certain deck or something. You're like, oh, man, if you like that, or you're thinking about building that, check out this video by Power Dragon who put this up. Like, that might be a good starting place for you. Right? That's going to do so much. If you do that once a month, if every listener did that or viewer or whatever did that once a month, you would do so much to help the creator you're trying to help. And that's a $0 deal. Right? You can participate in discussions or polls or be in their Discord and be a positive community member. You know, maybe if you're already going to be on their their chat streams, you know, maybe you hop on and Say, hey, I, I'd like to help out being a moderator since I'm here for 80% of your, your viewings anyway. Right. Right? That's a way. Like, there's tons of things you can do. You know, retweeting their stuff on Twitter. Like, that helps them gain reach. Like, there's so many things that don't require any money. Now, don't be wrong. Money does help, and we're super appreciative when it happens. But we also know that like not all of our viewers are going to be in a financially stable position to do that. Sometimes we know people are broke and we're their escapism. Like we're a thing they can do and be entertained by, whether that's listening to us on the podcast, watching our YouTube channels, hanging out on a stream late night, you know, whatever it is, we can be a distraction to help get you through those tough times. And I absolutely hell, I dude, you and me both, we've been there. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I've I've had those times where you're, you're staring at five dollars and going like, "Ooh, can I make this last four more days? You know, I don't expect those people to give me a penny. But 
You know, here's here's another one we talked about actually. This was just last night on on my stream. Somebody mentioned they're like, yeah, I normally see your videos. I just hit the like button and then I just go straight to get in the deck list. I'm like, then I mean, I appreciate it, but like, why? Why not just leave the video playing in the background? At least let me get the like ad views or whatever and the view time. Like you don't have to, you don't even have to actively participate in it. Just hit the play button and turn the volume off. Like you couldn't even do that for me. But literally says every day he goes on, hits the like button, grabs the deck list. Doesn't even see how to play the deck. No explanation, no nothing. Just grabs the deck list. And I'm like, that just defeats the purpose of somebody even making the video. <laughs> like, don't be wrong. Getting the thumbs up and everything helps. But we've talked about that before. I honestly feel like if you just hit the thumbs up at the very beginning of the video and you don't interact with the content, that the recommendation system knows this. I feel like yeah. YouTube is smart enough to know that and Google. All theory, but just saying. But those are the people I said, okay, another way you can help your creators, especially on YouTube, is just let it play. You know, you could help your streamers by just going, hey, I'm going to hit play and just let it play in the background. And they'll still get credit for having somebody in their chat. They'll still get credit for the ad views or whatever, make a few pennies off me or whatever. But you're helping for zero dollars and no effort. And I, dude, and I have times where I've had two or three YouTube videos playing in the background or a stream. Like I've raided somebody and then I just left it up while I went and worked on editing a video. Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm like, cool, they'll still get credit for a view. I don't care. Right. Like it's not going to hurt me and I get to help somebody. And again, that cost me no money, no extra time because I'm already paying for the internet. <laughs> right. So there's that's a sunk cost at that point. So, yeah. But if nothing else, and here's another thing I would say. If you're not sure, just ask the creators that you're interested in if there's any ways you can help support them with no money. And just be honest with them. Say, hey, I love your stuff. You help me get through these tough times or whatever. I would love to do something to help you out if there's anything I can do. You know, whatever. And maybe they do have a thing. Maybe like, hey, I need a new moderator in my Discord or whatever. Or, hey, I have this thing I'm going to be putting out next week. It would be cool if I can get some people to help share this on social media or whatever. Like, who knows? It could be a bunch of things. But that's another way. Just be direct with them. You'd be surprised. Or who knows? Maybe they find out you're an artist or a programmer or whatever it is or whatever skill or trade you have. Maybe there's something you can help them with. But there's a ton of ways you can help these creators out there without spending money. And again, I'm not saying don't spend money and don't buy their merchandise or whatever, because all that helps. It really does. We like money. <laughs> yeah, that really, really does help. But if you just don't have it, there are other ways to go about it. So don't ever feel like you just can't support people just because you don't have money. You can be very helpful and very supportive, even with no money coming out of your bank account. Uh, this is just kind of a, I don't know, a weird awareness announcement, but there was a schedule announcement for Magic that I guess we want to call it their pro tier. I won't say pro tour because that's not what it is anymore, <laughs> but we'll say like their pro tier events that scheduled stuff out through October. So you can find it on the magic.gg site. Uh, matter of fact, I can just, you can put in magic.gg slash events slash qualifier dash weekend. 
and it brings up all the stuff for the qualifier weekends, all this each month that's going to count for what event, uh, what they qualify for, all that's on there. And I believe it goes all the way through the last week of October. So they did at least take care of the next four or five months. Anybody who was curious, because there were people panicking, going like, there's nothing to play for. And if I finish in the top 1200, it's not going to be worth anything. It's like, we all knew it was going to, but now there's at least something in writing so people can, for lack of a better term, quit being chicken littles and just focus on having fun again. And so I guess you are qualifying for things. So it is out there. Go check it out if you're concerned about it. Otherwise, just keep playing your games and the world's not going to be any different for you. Hey, Brian. You know, hey, yo. did you hear about this set called Modern Horizons 2? You've, been, you've mentioned that once or twice. <laughs> did I tell you that it's really expensive? You did mention that the prices were getting kind of stupid. Yeah, well, we opened a box last week and the value was over $500. $530, if I'm not mistaken. And I spent like $230 on that box. That's crazy. Like, that ain't even remotely normal. But I also told people, like, well, if the price came down 30%, you'd still be looking at $360 to $370 dollar-wise. That's still a lot. And then what's wild is I was expecting, okay, everybody went did their pre-release thing. People opened a bunch of boosters. You always have people racing to the bottom on their prices or whatever. But I thought the prices of a box were going to go even lower, that they were just going to tank. But as it turns out, even a lot of the commons and uncommons are actually holding their price. And some have actually started to increase a little bit as people started building decks and playing. And the expected value, I believe, of the booster boxes or the draft booster boxes are still in like the $350 range. That's crazy. This is wild. This set has way more value than like, and I'm being real and I'm not saying this to like encourage people to go be stupid with their money or whatever, <laughs> but I talked to my significant other. We had a real discussion and we were like, you know, what if I just go buy like three or four more boxes? And like we did the man, they knew it's going to be expensive, but it was like probably still worth it. And if you use even modern horizons, like an example from two years ago, like there was a time where people thought, see, those aren't going to do anything or whatever. Those are worth like $350, $360 a box expected value. And those are only two years old. And these are basically starting at that level. So it's like, yo, like we, yeah, maybe like, it ain't going to be the worst money you ever spent. That's all I'm saying. Like, it's wild. And seeing the deck list people are coming with now to play modern, like this this is the interesting part about the set for as much as people wanted to be mad at it for introducing all these cards to modern. And, you know, if people had old modern decks, you're going to have to add some new cards or whatever. Like, I get that. And I do. And I do get that as being the point of frustration about the thing is that I like this for me because I was always playing with old cards that always existed. But now there's a new set. I have to buy some of these cards because they fit my strategies or whatever. And, you know, I have to spend some non-zero amount of dollars. But the truth is, people seem to always have been spending money on their modern decks anyway. Whether because the format changed and they need to pick up other cards, or older cards increased in value because they're just older. It's, uh, people were spending money one way or the other. I think it's just the principle of it that bothers people more than anything. But I will say, and myself included, a lot of people seem more interested in playing modern now because of Modern Horizons 2. Funny how that works. 
So, I mean, it, you know, for as much as I want to be like, yeah, y'all are right. But then I see it at an all-time high, the number of people posting stuff and deck lists and things or talking about it on different, like, podcasts or where I'm like, it did what it was supposed to do. You know, like, I, I can't be mad at it. Like, we look at the high price of the packs and this, that, and the other, and but at the same time, you're like, well, people are opening all this value, and people are getting to trade things to get stuff they want, and people are building more decks, and I'm seeing more results from modern tournaments, and, like, it seems like that's a win. I mean, we can we can be mad about what we want on principle. Like, I get it, and I'm with you, and, and we've had that talk before about it sucks about prices getting higher and all that, but at the end of the day, if they're selling well and more people are wanting to play with them and people are happy what did they get wrong you know what i mean like it sucks like you want to find something to be mad at but i'm looking around and going like it seems like it's working y'all and like i said to the point that i want to buy more and maybe open one more box and then sit on the rest might be what i'm doing so i don't know i feel a little dirty about it though i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i don't i don't feel great <laughs> like but there's nothing wrong with it honestly but it's just like you shouldn't be feeling like Jeffrey Tubin about magic cards. It's okay. I don't feel that bad. <laughs> well, well let's be bad. fair. I don't feel that bad. Let's be fair. He probably doesn't feel bad right now at all. Well, that's, yeah, that's the worst true. part about the whole thing. But no, seriously, I I think Modern Horizons too. For as much as uh you know people weren't sure about it or you know thought it was going to break the format or the set and the other. People seem to be having a good time. I do think there will probably be a couple of bands or something, or whatever. People are worried about the Urza Saga land and some other stuff. But generally speaking, the format seems like, at least so far in the early goings. Again, we haven't got to where we're doing big tournaments yet or whatever with it, and people are mass testing. But the early going is a lot of fun stuff. People are having success with a bunch of different decks. There, It's reinvigorated the format, it seems like. The values of things, not just values out of stuff from Modern Horizons 2, but a bunch of other stuff went out. Because there's cards that made other strategies viable now that people had to go pick up stuff for. So, yeah, overall, I, I think they got it. I think it's a win. I, I think we got to admit that and, and just leave it be and then wait till we get to the first few big tournaments and see how things shake out on it. But that brings us to our dinner table conversation. Which, uh... This one's, this one's a little... This is almost like a hot take about a hot take. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Because we go to Inception. Yeah, you never know where you were before the hot take started. Exactly. That's sort of what this feels like. And I mostly wanted to have the talk about people wanting to have hot takes about topics they're not even taking time to understand. Like, actually, like, where do you even think that originates from, anyway, to start with? I mean, if you have to put out content, which is a situation a lot of people are in, you know, you you got to put out the content. Everybody from newspaper reporters, you know, to YouTubers, it is a, say, every, how often you upload or write or whatever, every day or every week or, you know, every couple of days, you got to have content, whether anything happened or not. Yeah, that's fair. Like, for me... And maybe because I just overthink things a lot anyway. Like, it, I think it would be hard for me to post some. And I have a lot of times where people come onto my streams or stuff and just ask me, like, what's your opinion on this? And I'm like, I don't know enough about that yet. 
you know, and I know normalize, you know, being able to say that. Yeah. And I know they're upset and I tell people like, I'm sorry, but I'm not the hot take dude. I'm not the one to come to for a thing like just on the fly. Like if it's, if it's a thing that just happened, I haven't even had time to read the details on it. So I can't give you opinion. I mean, I've had stuff literally on stream. I've had to go read something and then come back and talk about it because I, I didn't know, you know, and but I know there's people out there that's like, oh, well, I can just post this and, you know, they're clout chasing or whatever. And like, I can get all these people talking on my, I don't know, my Twitter feed or whatever. And, you know, maybe I get 50 new followers because this post is going to blow up. And it's like, eh, I don't want that reputation. I'd rather be the reliable person or the person sharing like good content. So whenever something else does come up, my opinion's valued. You know what I mean? Yeah problem is like with a youtube channel you know you're the one making the decision if you're if you work as part of somebody's let's say content network because i've been the reporter that's one of my favorite examples of this it was a summertime story we had nothing <laughs> you know just nothing remotely interesting so we went out and asked people how they felt about the fact that shreveport police officers wear you know wear yellow shirts during the summertime because it's cooler Damn, man. <laughs> yeah, we had I tell you, we had nothing. <laughs> like, did I'm curious, did people have a real opinion? How bothered were they by the yellow shirts? Uh, to, to, to get that story finished, I had to literally because I had I had talked to two or I think I forget what the number two people that needed three, three or needed four or whatever. Only way I got somebody to pretend that they cared was they had been banned from a local tobacco shop and I had to go in and buy this guy some cigarettes to, to get him to give me an interview. Welcome to being a rookie reporter. Gosh, damn, man. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> like, yo, dog, look, I'll answer your question, but can you hop in there and get me some smokes because I can't go inside? Like, I, I wanted to change careers <laughs> at that moment. For... That's rough, dude. That's so harsh. So as I said, but I said all that to tell you, you know, some people like, let's say you're part of a content network, which is especially in gaming. There's a lot of people that have, you know, a whole, you know, a whole multi-tiered, multiple YouTube channel that covers video gaming, YouTube channel that covers yeah. board gaming, YouTube channel that covers, you know, XYZ, somebody else is telling you to go cover the dumb thing. And sometimes, you know, you're writing or recording, talking about a dumb thing, but. It's your yeah, job, you know. But, you know, there was there was a post, and it created a lot of Twitter drama this past week, where somebody had posted the equivalent of, "Hey, I went to this pre-release on Saturday, or maybe it was Friday. Anyway, I went to this pre-release, and in the last round, it was eleven o'clock, and my opponent wanted to split, but I told him no because I wanted to play, and the opponent said, "Well, man, please, because I got to drive home an hour or whatever." And then I told him, "Well, too bad. You should have made better life decisions. Let's play." And then, of course, people are like, well, dude, that's really crappy. You know, like, and no, and I'll be honest, like, I don't care if you want to play, it's your right to play. Right. Right. That I don't have a problem with. You showed up, you want to play, you're there to play four rounds of magic or five rounds of magic or whatever it is. You're welcome to do that. Anytime I've offered a split to my opponent, I've even said that. It's like, hey, it'd be cool if you split for these reasons. But hey, I get it. If you want to play, we can play. And you know, I'd say about 50% of the time they split, 50% of the time they wanted to play. Like, that's fine. And I've never been upset, win or lose. I, we all came here to play Magic. If you want to play, let's play. 
but like being a jerk and be like, you should have made better life decisions. And but like, what what the hell is that about? Like, that's what people were mad about. But you saw a bunch of people going like, well, I don't know why people are worried about the split and this, that, and that. It's like, you didn't even bother to see what people were mad at. Nobody cared that you didn't want to split. People were just like, you didn't have to be an ass to your opponent. Especially, and I think what the real, the thing people were pointing out was that this is people's first time to go back out and interact with people. These were some people's first event in over a year and a half. And that's how you want to treat somebody like how far, you know, that person could have been new to magic or whatever. It's their first actual paper event. Hell, maybe that's the only local store that was near them that they could go play in an event in because some stores still aren't running events yet. So it may not even have been their fault if they wanted to play in a pre-release. To me, and you know, I'm all for obviously bringing new players, but as I saw many other people mention, if you ask somebody to split and they say, no, I feel like the conversation should end there. You know, like they've already said no. You tell them your life story is just you putting more pressure on them, trying to get them to say yes. I think you yes. got to take no for an answer. Totally agree. Totally agree. But I also get how somebody who's casual, new, and whatever, never been in that situation, didn't know anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I get it. And hell, we had somebody in our Discord two nights ago that they came over from Yu-Gi-Oh! and a bunch of stuff just didn't make sense to them. So some of us were just like pointing out differences and how like the game works different and, you know, just like getting them caught up to speed because though they've been in a lot of events and stuff, they didn't know, you know, so they don't even understand what some of the comments or drama or deck building terms or any of that's supposed to be. So they're they're literally just wandering around in a new space going like, I guess this is how this works. But, you know, again, I said like we I almost and I we've talked about this before. I feel like there's some level where we almost have to check ourselves for at least the first six months or so when we get back to kind of normalizing things in society because our interactions are not going to feel the same and be the same for a small amount of time at least because we're we're kind of like hell i've talked to people they're just talking like just going back to visit friends feels new you know right. <laughs> so like i don't know what it's going to be like when i go back to a tournament for the first time and see people i hadn't seen in damn near two years yeah, or, you know, working, you know, new players coming in because they just got into magic from arena or whatever. Like, that was more my issue with it. I didn't really post on Twitter or whatever. I didn't really care. I wasn't going to make a big thing out of it. Like, whatever happens, happens. The person who was felt wrong to her probably isn't even going to ever see your comment anyway. The person who posted it obviously don't give a damn. So, like, I'd just be wasting my time participating. But just seeing how many people just like, oh, I'm going to hop on this just so I can be part of the drama. I'm going to hop on this so I can have a hot take, right? Like, okay, then what? Right? Especially when you get the point wrong. Kind of comes back to the whole CRT thing, right? There's people going like, oh, well, CRT stupid and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, cool. What do you not like about it? And then they can't even answer the basic question. Yeah. And it's like, come on, man. Like, if you're going to... And that's the thing. I'll tell you, if I ever hop out and just have a hot take on a thing, I can at least verbalize why. Like, hell, even times, hell, even on this podcast, we're like, well, like we're just talking about Modern Horizons, right? Like, I want to be mad at all these things, but like, I kind of look around and go like, "Mm, but it worked. So I can tell you what I don't like about it. But then on the other hand, I kind of have to go, "Eh, but I do have to give them credit. So my hot take becomes lukewarm at best. (laughs) Like, 
just what it is, man. Like, gotta admit it, you gotta take the L sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes they get it right, we get it wrong. It's fine. But it sucks seeing how many people, and we've talked about this before, like how many people want to just lean on the negativity yeah. to get their reach, to get their views, to get their followers. And I think the thing that makes me the most sad is there are enough people that will follow that logic and become a follower, become a viewer. You know, like, why? Well, like you talked about, that's why we have people whose job it is to do social media. Because, you know, if you get, if you really enjoyed the restaurant, you'll tell one or two people. If you got bad service at the restaurant, you go on all your Twitter feeds and tell everybody you know. That's just the way human beings are wired for whatever reason. And that's so terrible. Because, man, I'll tell you, like, when I've been out and had a good eating experience, I, first thing, I'm like, yo, y'all, like, y'all are sleeping on this yep. place. Y'all need to go, like, here's what you need to order. Like, I, I give people the whole rundown. Like, when when this dude's working in the kitchen, you know, like, <laughs> for real. Like, because now, don't get me wrong. Like, when people, and there have been times, and I'll be admit, like, the, the only times I think I've posted or talked about when, like, my shopping or buying or eating experience was bad it was when it was, like, real bad. Like, if we went through the effort of, like, getting something refunded and we had crappy customer service and, like, an employee yelled at us and blah, blah, like, okay. I'll talk about that to be like, yo, they didn't get anything right in this process. Yeah. But, like, you know, if, like, an employee's having a bad day, I'm not going to hold that against the company. You know, it's like, uh, what did we see on social media the other day? There was a thing where, oh, what was it? There was, I want to say maybe it was, like, a, oh, it was a gay couple that went into some coffee spot i don't i don't know if, i don't think it was starbucks but some coffee spot and they got their order and pardon my language but this is what was on there their instead of their name their tag said fag on it and obviously they were pissed because they should have been so he was like yo dude what the hell and the employee tried to give him a dumb excuse about like well sometimes you talk into the thing and it gives you a wrong name or of course that wasn't the case. So the manager comes over, immediately fires the guy. It literally goes like, what's up? And goes, what the hell, dude, you're fired. Right. They said they saw the dude before they even got back in their car. were done. Saw the guy already fired walking across the parking lot. <laughs> like, so the manager did his job. Yeah. Right. And the company made a statement about it. And we're like, all right, cool. So that's what should happen. Right. Like employee screws up beyond screws up. Manager says, yeah, we don't do that here. <laughs> like, Company says, yeah, they just know that we do not support these views and we already got rid of the person. And then the dude who was wrong was still like, well, they should give me a personal call and they should tell me like what the company's going to do to make sure this doesn't happen again and blah, blah. I'm like, yo, like an employee is just an idiot. Like, don't be wrong. I've been to a place and an employee's done some racist crap. But I also knew it wasn't the company that was doing it. And it's not like they teach people that. It's just like you had a somebody went rogue. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it happens. It's all right. But I wasn't going to go and be like, oh, man, this company, they got all this racist crap going on and whatever. Like, no, like, I get it. You just had an idiot employee. And that happened down south. Like, it sucks. But you, you know as well as I do, it's a little more prominent down there than up here. And sometimes you just run into those people. It's not a company policy. Crap just happens. But 
you know, I think we need to normalize. Let's like, let's be positive. Just like you're saying, let's normalize not knowing about a thing. You know, let's and also learning more information, saying, you know what, I've changed my opinion. That's fair too. I I have had to do that on some things where I felt one way and I thought I knew. And the more I talk to people about it, I'm like, Ooh, I kind of get why you'd feel this way. Oh, I kind of get why that's a little bit wrong. Like, all right. You know, and, and here's the thing, like you can still learn and still not feel good about a thing, but still know you're just not in the right. Sometimes it takes a while to get comfortable in a view. And that's all right. Like we've talked before about things that women have mentioned to me or whatever, that I'm just like, man what's wrong with dudes like you know what i mean like and i don't feel good about it but it's like it's a fact and sometimes you just you just got to sit in it a little bit you know and we but we got to normalize that like not everything has not all of us have to have an opinion immediately not all of it like you can you truly can get reach get followers get views being positive it's a little bit more work but it feels a hell of a lot more more rewarding when it happens. I mean, we talked about before, you got the Mr. Beast of the world that he's just doing videos about like, I'm going to buy all the stuff in this GameStop and go donate it to like a children's shelter or whatever. <laughs> right? Like, you know, those people are out there. You know, hell, you can see all the puppy and kitten photos that go through your feed on Facebook or Twitter or something, right? Like, those can garner all the same positivity. Like we don't have to be negative just for the sake of being negative and just being the first to have an opinion. Hell, I'll tell you before, I've had tons of people click on stuff on my YouTube stuff whenever I've had a like a response to Wizards doing something, whatever. Cause they're thinking I'm gonna get on it's just gonna be like this crazy hot take. And when they find out how lukewarm it is, they're mad. Cause they wanted somebody to come in and just blast them and just commiserate with them or whatever. And then when it's not. Apparently, I'm on the take for Watsy or whatever. <laughs> I'm just like, what's wrong with you people? Like, really, what's wrong with you people? So, yeah, let's let's just normalize slowing down a second and having rationale from both sides of discussions and really trying to just, like, understand topics and issues or whatever before we dive deep on them. Also... I want to say, I don't want to come off as like I was flippant to the gay guy's situation, you know, with that whole thing, because that is pretty effed up. Because, I mean, that'd be the same thing as like somebody dropping the N-word on a cup or whatever on there. Like, I get it. Like, that would be terrible. But at the same time, like if everybody in the process did what they were supposed to do up to that point, like, we're good. You know, because like, what more is going to come out of that? You know what I mean? Like, there's a point where we have to say like, okay. Everybody in in the process did what they were supposed to do. Cool. I'm going to go continue living my life. Because you know as well as I do, if you get hung up on that stuff, like, it'll start eating at you. You can't worry about it all the time. Like, we just got to deal with it and move on sometimes. But anyway, Brian, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? I am DL Caesar on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Our family YouTube channel is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N, on just about every social platform. But you can come join me while I'm streaming over on Facebook Gaming or on Twitch. Or, you know, just come say hi in the Discord or whatever. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. 
for a bit longer, please remember to wear your mask, wash your hands, stay away from other humans that are icky with the COVID while we're all trying to get vaccinated and get back to gaming and gathering as soon as we can because we're oh so very close. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 